Hey, this is the Last Coffee House, and today we are doing the second part of the Tarantino retrospective. So we already did the first part, the first four movies. We're doing the second part, the second four movies. He's only done nine, right? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was number nine. Is that correct? And then he's going to do Star Trek or some nonsense. So I was sick all last week. <laughs> it's the longest I've been sick in like a decade. So it threw the whole thing off. So instead of doing a couple of episodes that I really wanted to do, I, I was just delirious and wandering the streets for a week and now I'm trying to catch up on on the stuff I want to do okay so we've got the first one in the Tarantino retrospective is Death Proof and I so I might be biased I absolutely love this movie like to death and I know it's only like two conversations and two car crashes that's pretty much the entire movie because originally obviously it came out with the planet terror thing with Robert Rodriguez who never <laughs> acquired the kinds of skills that Quentin Tarantino has in spades but for for me, this movie has so many memorable moments that I just absolutely love. Number one, I absolutely love the car. The car's amazing. I want that car. With the little duck on the front of, and Kurt Russell. Oh my God, that guy is such an amazing actor. I just, like the structure's simple and you've it's got kind of the superhero kind of vibe with the inversion at the end that the, the chaser becomes a chasey, you know, the, the villain becomes the, the hunted, that kind of thing. And this, again, uh, I just, oh, like you could, <laughs> you could make a case for, and I, I'll kind of to talk about this, but you can make a case for Tarantino possibly promoting some uh, subterranean homophobia <laughs> in his in his movies, but when it comes to women and like the roles of women and what they do and don't do and, and what their place is in Tarantino movies, there's no, by no stretch of the imagination can you say that he's misogynist or relegating women. I mean, God, just the guy's made what, nine movies so far? Because that was the whole narrative when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out was that Margot Robbie Robbie didn't have enough screen time or enough dialogue. But then, on uh, the flip side, uh, you've got this movie where it's 90% women dialogue. And the women get to absolutely not just win in the end, like some, like in a horror movie where they're just a victim who happens to get the, you know, the one up at the end. They actually, they could flee, they could escape, but they're like, no, we're taking this guy out. So it's a completely different kind of a setup. But in multiple movies, he does this where the women are not by any stretch of the imagination just ornamental characters or just hanging off of the male protagonist or anything like that they are legitimate characters often they are the protagonists themselves it's just i get so sick of this so anyway this one death proof has got that one cheerleader girl i think she was in one of the terrible die hard movies and then hasn't done a whole lot since i haven't looked up her imdb but i haven't seen a whole lot of her since this deal and it's got rosario dawson she's she's a very good actress it's got uh, the stunt what that australian stunt woman that he loves to plop in his movies she shows up in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. Uh, she, They do excellent, fantastic stunt work during the last the last scene, you know. It's just so much fun and uh, like, I can't hate people who don't like this because it's just two conversations and two car crashes. I, I can't like hate them, but if you're really paying attention, there's so much to love about just the way this film is made, you know, obviously the look of it he does that like scratched film look uh, deliberately. He does some black and white a little bit. He throws in uh, some continuity errors. And so who's so who's holding it? Like she doubles up on that. He's got some feet shots, of course. It's Tarantino. But I love the car. I love the look of it. Love the I mean, he loves the whole old Hollywood mythology, especially related to stuntmen. So it's got that line going all the way through it. This is such an interesting way to explore it too. Obviously he does it to the nth degree in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, not so much for 
word stunt man mythology, but it, it's a big part of it, the the whole stunt thing. But I love the look of it. It's one of those movies that I, I used to just throw on every night when I was trying to go to sleep or whatever. I really, really enjoy it. But it could be a lot of bias. There are just so many things that stand out to me that I love, as opposed to being able to objectively say that it's, I mean, it's objectively a good movie. It doesn't have as much substance, as much meat as a lot of his other movies. So anyway, that's Death Proof. Love it to death. Proof. On to the next one. What's the next one? Inglorious Bastards. That's right. So Inglorious Bastards, I actually, this is one of the ones I kind of put lower tier, bottom half of Tarantino movies until I watch it again. When I just watched it again, I loved it a lot more. And I absolutely love that scene in the basement. I I know a lot of people don't like it, the scene in the basement where they're just like back and forth and everybody dies, <laughs> everybody just shoots each other. Uh, but I love that scene in the basement. And there, obviously, the opening scene is fantastic. Christoph Waltz is just incredible incredible this was his like big debut on the world stage he does an incredible job just the very careful back and forth where things get escalated very gradually like in the opening scene and in the basement scene are just wonderful i love those and i mean come on it's like the central issue is around the film you know the guy who's the war hero and they made a film and he wants to, <laughs> to do this horrible war crime of showing his propaganda film in a real theater and that's just you know a, a bridge too far for a thematically for for Quentin Tarantino and I just love that he has so much love for cinema and how he works that love in either by incorporating you know a stuntman or incorporating this motif of them trying to show a movie and that's where Hitler ends up getting killed spoiler alert you know obviously it's got a lot of the great violence and it looks great a uh, lot of excellent performances you got Brad Pitt you got uh, what's his name Michael Fassbender he's uh, adopting this extremely highfalutin kind of English accent, you know. I'm not a big uh, what's-his-name fan, Eli Roth, in whatever capacity he, he's gonna do it. Uh, he's got a, a pretty wife. Uh, if you want to know what his wife looks like naked, you could watch that Keanu Knock Knock, that's what it's called, right? Oh, that Keanu Reeves movie. <laughs> but uh, she's pretty. It's the slightly less attractive one, though, just to be clear. But I remember, like, so many of the images really stand out. They look great. I, I do think it's a little thin on, like, and I don't, I don't know if I feel this, actually. It's just it didn't seem like it had as much as other movies. It doesn't have as much as like Pulp Fiction or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Even though it's about Nazi-occupied France and a whole bunch of stuff happens, it just didn't feel like it had as much meat to it. I keep using that term, meat. Sorry, any vegan listener. But I just mean there's like not quite as much as each... I'd have to go through it in great detail to be able to get that across. I think the woman does a fantastic job. I wish her boyfriend had more rounding out as a character. There wasn't really much to him. He's not particularly necessary plot-wise, but I mean, there could be a little more to him. There's the woman who plays the actress, uh, you know, she does a very good job. And there's still like the, the mixed up conflicts and the way that it happens and how it all resolves itself. All very good. It's just, it doesn't have quite as much, but I'd still, if I had to rank these, uh, I'd feel like I'd want to put this in the upper half, but I, I don't know what I'd kick out to be able to do that. So anyway, I, I, like I said, enjoyed it a lot more this time when I watched it because I, I was noticing many more excellent things about it uh, that I didn't necessarily recognize historically when I'd watch it. So that's Inglorious Bastards. He says, you know, what was it? Ryan from The Office is like, this just might be my masterpiece or, or something like that. Or I think it's your masterpiece or I don't remember. It's Brad Pitt says it, whatever. And they use MP40s, which are excellent in Call of Duty Blackout. So uh, that gives it an extra boost as well. And just to reiterate, Christoph Waltz, everybody knows, obviously mind-blowing performance, absolutely incredible. 
I mean, nobody can eat a piece of, what, pie or whatever it is so sinisterly. <laughs> he just does it so well because you could just eat the pie, but he just does he has, does so many things so so very well. Anyway, that's Inglorious Bastards. Obviously, you watch it. Django Unchained. So this one came up, and this was one when I initially saw it, I thought it was really really good, and then when I just watched it again, I actually did not like it anywhere near as much. This is the one where the stock dropped in between probably the most related to when I initially saw it versus when I saw it again. So you know, I liked uh, the the music had this motif you had Leonardo DiCaprio giving a fantastic performance I think Jamie Foxx was kind of miscast I didn't really like his character all that much I didn't think he had much to him and Christoph Waltz as a good guy you know he did a lot of great things with the character but he just there's something to his like kind of simple manner that makes it so much more interesting when he's a bad guy you know and it feels so tense whenever he's doing things that you miss out on when he's just the good guy, you know, being the same person. And I just, it feels really kind of one note. It's a pretty straightforward narrative. It has some flashbacks, you know, but it it's pretty straightforward. There's not really much branching off. There aren't really many ruminative scenes where you're really exploring things like Tarantino does. Uh, he has like these dream sequences that are just meaningless. They don't really do anything. They don't even look that great. And there's a bit of an interesting thing in the way that they try to mess with Candy to how to get the girl back but again the whole narrative is just like getting the girl back so it's I don't know he tries to work in a motif related to was it like Norse mythology or, or whatever it is but I don't think it, it really works I didn't have a problem with Django as a character getting really good at bounty hunting I mean he showed some like training montages but I didn't think that was that was too bad and then I mean even some of it uh, when it came to Jamie Foxx's character Django when he was kind of needling people as they were going through like kind Kind of, I, I read it as him abusing his newfound freedom to his own detriment, which would be character, you know, which is good quality. But sometimes it just kind of felt like shoehorned in and it didn't have a cost, so it didn't really matter. Like when they were walking up the stairs, he said something to the guy when they were at Candy's ranch and the guy's like, what? And then Christoph Waltz is just like, oh, no, nothing. He's just, he's messing around. And then they just kept walking. And it just, it felt like it was mostly that as opposed to the character really doing things that mean something. And uh, one of the most annoying parts was just having the false ending of him having the the shootout, which I liked the song the first time I saw it. I did not like it. I love Tupac. Grew up on Tupac's music, but I did not like the song this time when it was going through. And it, like I said, it was a false ending. It just went through the shootout that he gets, you know, captured. And they're like, oh, we're going to do the incredibly generic villain thing. It's like, no, the death isn't good enough for you because I have to give you a chance to escape and kill me. So uh, they send him off to do that thing and he convinces the guys to go back and and he escapes and kills all the people again and it's just like, oh, alright, well that was that was stupid and then has the whole like dancing around on the horse thing at the end. I don't, It was just, there wasn't a whole lot to it. So there wasn't much substance there. I mean where Christoph Waltz's character got to make a decision that had real consequences. You know, he, he decided he wanted to kill Candy because he was just it was just too 
too much. He finally got to the point. He's just like, no, I'm just going to do it. And that got him killed. But Django, not really, <laughs> you know, it doesn't really happen. And he's just kind of a dick. I mean, f- obviously it's fine to be a dick to slaveholders and a bunch of jerks, but it's just, it doesn't feel like it really means anything. I don't think Jamie Foxx really had the skill <laughs> actor wise. I don't think he really had to sk- the skill to kind of put that subtext in the character, any kind of real subtext to the character. I think that was the main problem. I think it was miscast. I would have loved to see so many other actors in that role. I know Will Smith was originally considering it. He said he didn't want to do it because he he got he wanted to be the one who killed the bad guy. And it's just like, come on, Will Smith, you're such a douche. <laughs> like obviously it should be this the story. It's about the story. If you if within the function of the story, you think it makes more sense for Django to kill the bad guy than Vault's character, then fine. But if you're just like, no, because I'm a star, so I have to kill the bad guy. That's so stupid. I think um, there would have been other actors, though, that could have sold the subtext a lot better than Jamie Foxx. I just don't think Jamie Foxx has that caliber of acting ability. I think he's he has two modes. He's like meek or badass, and that's that's it. That's all he's got. Uh, but when it comes to Samuel L. Jackson, oh my god, murdered it in this movie. He was so good. So good in how he like still asserted his his like status and authority and the, the subtext of being indoctrinated into the system and still was able to like set set his way outside of it you know where he'd push needle candy up to <laughs> up to a certain point and he when he was like investigating and figuring out what was going on and I mean Samuel L. Jackson absolutely killed it in this movie and obviously you know a lot of talk about Leo DiCaprio he murdered it too but and that's not to take anything away from Leo DiCaprio's performance but I think less heralded is Samuel L. Jackson's performance in this this was he was so good in it so good that's an actor that understands subtext so does Leo they understand subtext and they can build it into a character and build it into a scene so it makes it so much more interesting to watch so I I mean absolutely worth it to watch for those and then we've got the hateful eight Django Unchained I'm pretty mixed on that one it like I said I thought it was great the first time I saw it not so much the second time and the hateful eight is the one I would absolutely without question put at the bottom of all of Tarantino's movies which is very sad to say I'm sorry but uh, it definitely deserves its spot at the bottom when it comes to just pure visuals it might be at the top or near the top it looks absolutely amazing especially I think of like Samuel Jackson's outfits and just how he looks in general and just like the landscapes and all that stuff fantastic looks beautiful but it's absolutely it's not good Uh, it does not have enough to it not enough goes on it's supposed to be like this claustrophobic kind of reservoir dog setup but it's like cowboys uh so it's like it's fine but there's just nowhere near enough to it and it's about an hour and a half too long i mean it's way too long and everybody's doing their part to try to you know work some stuff in there kurt russell and samuel L. jackson and tim roth and everybody's putting in some effort we've got the the stunt woman who shows up again but well, there are a couple of flashbacks and that kind of stuff but it's just no there's just not enough to it at all and the whole you know twisty thing just uh, virtually nothing to that it was way too long there's not enough to it I watched it twice and you know I saw it the first time when it originally came out I watched it again recently and you know I tried to watch closely and listen to the dialogue and pull some extra stuff out of it but I just there there wasn't much to it this is the only Tarantino movie that I'd say I probably am not gonna watch again throughout the rest of my life but it is absolutely gorgeous uh so it has that i guess and this is what, okay so now that i'm i'm kind of at the end of the line here 
I can say that there, if somebody wanted to criticize Tarantino, you know, from like an SJW perspective uh, that made sense, then it is weird that, and this isn't to like any filmmaker or artist can do whatever the hell they want. I would never dream of censoring an artist based on the content of their art, but I just, it's just a weird thing that kept popping up in his movies is that homosexual behavior was depicted as deviant and usually perpetrated by somebody who's bad. You know, I don't remember any in Reservoir Dogs. He, they just, I remember Chris Penn says the F word a few times uh, when they were fighting in that little room, my least favorite scene in that that movie. Uh, then in Pulp Fiction, obviously there's the basement scene. And so it's, it's deviant. It's depicting the homosexuality as deviant behavior. This is the 90s. So then you get to uh, like Django Unchained, you know, the, the villain gives off a, a certain vibe. <laughs> the, the uh, you know, one of the villains, not Candy, but one of his henchmen uh, when they're doing like a torture scene. And then the Hateful Eight again, there's some homosexuality that's depicted as deviant villain behavior, you know, as opposed to, you know, just a couple of gay characters or something like that. So it's, it's, it's a little thing in the background there that you could criticize on the basis of. Obviously, I don't care. Uh, I mean, I think it adds some texture to Tarantino's movies. Obviously, it's easy to just have, oh, there are two people and they have sex. It's pretty easy to do that. So, so whatever, he could do whatever he wants, but that's, that is something that's in the background. It doesn't impact my enjoyment of any of his movies to any degree whatsoever. It's just something I thought I'd point out. So when we get to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when it comes out again, I'm going to watch it again and I'll do a full like breakdown analysis kind of a thing. But I definitely, I love, I love, love, love that movie. It was such a perfect, I think Red Letter Media talked about it, how it was such a perfect love letter to classic Hollywood. And it had so many interesting things going on in it. And it took its time. It ruminated. It had this sound quality throughout. It had very good performances. I mean, so much about it was so well done. I just, I loved it. There were some people, oh my God, I saw people criticizing some of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life when it came to a movie. It was ridiculous. People who just completely missed the point of everything the movie was trying to do. But it's just, there. there's a lot to it. So we'll have to talk about it then. But anyway, that was the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I went through all the other eight. I don't know what we're going to do <laughs> once we lose Quentin Tarantino, once he retires or otherwise stops making films. I don't know what we're going to do. He's he's one of the few auteurs still really going out there. And the things, a lot of the things that seem to be coming out, there's still good movies coming out. There's like Ari Aster, you know, he's he splits some people, you know. <laughs> some people really hate him. Some people love him. I love him and he's definitely got a vision and he implements that vision, but it's, it's kind of within a scope, you know, Tarantino really did his own thing very well. And with, I don't know how Scorsese's new one's going to turn out, you know, Spielberg hasn't been doing anything really special for a while now. That horse movie was decent, you know, <laughs> but, but still it's not, they're not big auteur signatures all over Spielberg movies and Daniel Day-Lewis retired. So <laughs> who the hell is Paul Thomas Anderson going to use anymore? I, I don't know. I have no idea. So we do what we can uh, with what we've got. I'm sure there are good movies that are going to be coming out. I know Ad Astra just came out. I'm going to go see that. We'll see how that turned out. That's sci-fi. I don't know how auteur you get with sci-fi unless you're Solaris. Not the remake. Oh my God, the original. What am I talking about? There are auteur sci-fi. <laughs> like, 
2001 a space odyssey kubrick oh my gosh geez get over yourself but i don't know i'd have to go through a list so that's that's where we are uh that's where hollywood is that's where filmmaking is hopefully a bunch of people with excellent cameras on their phones can make a bunch of great films but we'll see so that that's tarantino retrospective love his work love the guy i hope all is well okay bye 